Well, praise the Lord. I'm excited about today. Last night, we had a good time, didn't we, ladies? Woo, we had a good time and a fun after party, even though we had to do plan B and take it into the youth ministry. It was a really wonderful time, and I'm already looking forward to planning next year's, but I will look at the forecast before I market it too much. But I'm excited about this morning. I have missed two Sundays with you guys, and boy, did I miss you. I had a wonderful time with my family in Wisconsin, all the Pruitts in one house. Come on, somebody. That needed a miracle all by its own. But we had a good time just catching up, and I uh, got to meet my uh, great nieces, and they are uh, awesome. And they had runny noses and, you know, snot going everywhere and coughing, and it didn't stop me a bit. I'm like, come up to Aunt Bobby. And I, you know, kiss, kiss, kiss. And I paid the price. I got home and got really sick. But it was worth every kiss, amen. But uh, Pastor Paul and uh, Pastor Lonnie did a phenomenal job the last two Sundays just really sharing. You know, we're coming into a season of our legacy offering. And so I want to share a little bit today. Um, Today is Vision Sunday for 2023. And in the history of me pastoring, for sure, we have never done a vision service and a legacy offering. And it was something that the Lord put in my heart uh, just a couple months ago. I remember, I don't know if you remember when I taught on fasting and the Lord really challenged me to go on a five-day fast. And I obeyed the Lord. I said, God, I want to know what is your heart for faith builders in this season? What, what do you want, God? And so I went on a five-day fast, and literally on the fifth day, when my fast broke, I heard the Lord say, make room for a 1,000 people. And we matched our, we matched our, um, our mission statement with loving a 1,000 to light. Guys, go ahead and light up our sign. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Oh, I guess it's on delay. A thousand to light. Come on, somebody. If it, if it looks okay, amen. We are going to win a thousand people to Jesus Christ this year. And you can leave it on if it looks attractive. Just go ahead and leave that thing on. Um, This was a vision the Lord gave me. When we came out of COVID, we were already running a 700 people. So making room for 1,000 people is going to be so easy for the Lord. Amen. But I know God wanted us as a church that are here to get a hold of this vision. Because when you know where we're going, you can take the baton and run the race of faith. Amen. And I know God already, I feel a supernatural turn. I was talking with my brother over Thanksgiving, and he's one of the persons that I go to and I get prayer with, and he encourages me, and he has a fabulous church in Milwaukee also, and he saw in the spirit that I was um, running this race and I was turning the corner. You know how you're about to turn a sharp corner, and you almost feel like you're going to go off the road, it's so sharp? He said, I saw the church doing that, and then it took off really fast, and I'm telling you, that's exactly how I felt in the spirit. I'm like going, Jesus, Jesus, what are you doing? And now I feel like we are on on a place where God wants us to be a lighthouse on a hill. Amen. Faith Builders is not called to just be a church. We are called to win North Phoenix, Arizona to Jesus Christ. And we are going to do whatever we can take in this next year to make a thousand lights come to life. And I am so excited that we're all here to be a part of that. So I want to share a little bit of vision with you. And then I'm going to share a message that the Lord put on my heart. And then at the very end in our baskets, every one of you will have an opportunity to take a bulb. And you're going to write a name on that bulb. You can take a couple of them if you want. And somebody you know that you want to come to Jesus this year. Someone you know maybe needs to be delivered 
delivered of drug addiction or a marriage restored or whatever miracle that you're believing in your life, you're going to write it on that bulb. And you can't write a scroll because they're really tiny bulbs. Let me just show you. They are really little. They are so cute, though. So here you go. So at the end, you're going to write on that. And next week, we're going to do it also. And next week, your names are going to go in that. We're exchanging the blank bulbs with the names. And we are going to see these people come to Jesus Christ. Amen. And this will be up all year. We're going to leave it as a, as a sign. I think it's going to fill up so fast. And I believe the harvest is ready. And so anyway, I want to thank Matthias for this sign. He has... He doesn't even want the credit, but this dude has been working around the clock. He built the booth for me, and he built this for me, and I know he had a call of God to do it because I'm telling you, he felt the unction of God, and so he wanted to put a 1,000 bulbs in there, and I had to kind of, okay, well, maybe we better stream back. <laughs> How many did we end up in there? 352. Can you imagine if I had 1,000 bulbs? I'm like, we would have a football sign in here. Maybe our next sanctuary, amen, we can have 10,000 delight. Thank you, Jesus. But uh, so we're here right now, and, um, you know, this church, Faith Builders, many of you may or may not know, and we have the history on our website, but this church was birthed by my parents in um, Wisconsin, and I just want to show you a picture. In 1989, this was the first building that we met in in the church. These are going to go up in our hallway of history because I think it's so important that you know that Faith Builders is not just a fly-by-night church. We have been a legacy ministry since 1989, and this started in Winter, Wisconsin. And what God did there was so supernatural, he gathered a small body of people to build this campus in Wisconsin. This is in a town of 30,000 people. I would say cow town, but it was actually corn. They grew corn there. And, uh, but God took a group of people who said, we have a heart and a zeal for the house of God. And we're going to do what it takes to build. And I'm telling you, thousands and thousands of people went through that cow town, corn town, whatever you want to say, and gave their life to Jesus Christ. Youth gave their life to Jesus, set free from drug addiction, set free, free from afflictions. And the legacy still remains. And then God called my dad here to Phoenix, Arizona, um, him and his wife, my mom. And then a few people followed with them. I don't know how many met in this building 12 of you or something? To begin with, 10 people in this facility in 43rd and Olive. And my dad put up how many chairs? 500 chairs down. He has a man of faith. Hallelujah. And this small group of people raised $600,000 to build this church over on the west side. Again, thousands and thousands of people came in, gave their life to Jesus, marriages restored, and they're not apart now, but they're apart somewhere, amen, and we know their children are serving God, and then what happened is they wanted to buy their own land, we rented that, and we purchased the property here in Bell Road. And... This is our property. It is ours. And what is so beautiful about this property is that everything around us when we bought this church was dilapidated. If you've been here long enough, there was old buildings across the street that homeless people took over. And it was bad. But the Lord gave us this property. And it's a miracle in the making. And I don't have time to share all of it. But the Lord literally began to have investors come and buy up all this property. They leveled it all. They put $500,000 homes across the street. We've got malls here. We've got restaurants now. Our property value has doubled since we have bought it. And we are the only tax-exempt property here. So 
We are sitting in a beautiful place for God to do some amazing things, amen. And so I share that with you because we are just getting started for what God wants to do. I mean, the devil tried to take out the church in 2020. He did. The devil, and he succeeded in some level. So let me just share this with you. I'm going to try to get out of exhorter mode because I need to share some vision. So, all right. There was a decline in the church from 2020 that went from marginal to major. People stopped coming back to church. And you know that because we've seen churches empty. In 2005, Rainer did a study, and it said that the churches that used to be lighthouses in their cities or were who influential in their city made a difference. Eight out of those 10 churches have closed their doors. I think we have that to put on the screen. Eight out of 10 churches closed their doors. 400,000 of them are declining today. That shows you the church of Jesus Christ and the place where it's at. The enemy has tried to lower the morale of the church, but we know that Jesus is in charge of the church, amen? He builds the house and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Out of those 400, many have plateaued. Where they're at is where they're going to stay. Well, I can tell you within me, there is nothing inside of me to have a church plateau. Nothing. We will do everything it takes to bust down the gates of hell and reach this city for Jesus Christ. Amen. Because it's been prophesied that we are a lighthouse in this city, and I know that. All right, so let's take a look at that. Um, 40% of pastors have seriously considered leaving the ministry. No, 40% have. I know it says considered, but 40% have left the ministry permanently. And to, oh, I'm sorry. Okay, let me just read my own notes. Okay. 40% of the pastors have considered leaving ministry because it got so hard. The attack on men and women of God was so great in 2020 and on that they wanted to quit. 200,000 of them did. How sad is that? That called men and women of God were so bombarded by the gates of hell that they walked away from their calling. And I can tell you what I went through personally, I understand why they walked away. Because the pressure was so great. But I am so glad we pressed through because I'm telling you, those that have hung on and fought the good fight of faith, I'm telling the awakening and the revival of God is coming in su such a supernatural way. So um, what we're going to do is that when I did my five-day fast, I woke up and the Lord said, I want you to love a thousand people back to life. And this is the scripture verse that he gave me, Psalms 18, 28. And it says, you, Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. And this is the time to let our light shine. So we're believing for a 1,000 people to be planted into our church. And I don't want you to look at, well, we're just trying to get a 1,000 people. My heart is every person that comes in here has their life changed. They're giving their life to Jesus. They're being set free and delivered. Marriages are being restored. They are learning their gifts and their callings, and they are being placed in their ministry positions and being released to do what God's called them to do. So I'm not looking just to have a lot of numbers. That is not the kind of pastor that I am. We want to see lives changed. Amen? Our mission is to love people back to life. So that is where our heart is. So with our mission statement of loving people back to life, how do we do that at Faith Builders? I want to make it very clear to you so you'll know exactly how we do that. Number one, and you know this is true, we believe in the uncompromising word of God. <clears throat> From this pulpit, we don't believe in whitewashing or making the word of God comfortable. 
We believe in preaching the fullness, the full gospel of the word of God. It may be contrary to society and culture and, and, and uh, politics. We take politics out of the word of God and we stand clear in what the word of God has to say. Amen. My dad has always said, if you're all word and no spirit, you dry up. If you're all spirit and no word, you blow up. But if you're word and spirit, you'll grow up. Amen. And I believe we're living in a time that the word of God has to be uncompromising. And it has to be confrontational in love, but it has to be willing to cut people so they can know what the truth is in the world today. Amen. And I believe that standard exists in our church already. I've had families come in here to visit, and they said as soon as they walked in, one, they feel the presence of God. They really feel his presence here. And two, they feel the standard of righteousness here. And I love that. Not religion, because I don't believe in religion or the law, right? We know that. But there's an expectancy of we want the righteousness of God to flow through this house so that the Holy Spirit can move and we can see signs, wonders, and miracles that we're called to see in this time that we're living in. Number two is through worship. We want to love people back to life through worship. I have a huge vision when it comes to worship from this house. God gave me a word many years ago. He said, there will be a sound that will come from this house. It will be a sound like no other. It will be a prophetic sound. And I know God's going to do that in this hour. I believe God is sending in <clears throat> musicians. Um, artists, singers, songwriters. My heart is to have a recording studio in the back where we are writing songs that heaven is singing, amen. I believe that there are songs inside of people that, that need to be sung, prophetic sounds in this hour. I believe the Lord's gonna do that. I believe I see us having outdoor worship experiences. I see us going downtown and maybe setting up in front of Washington, or not Washington, D.C., we are in Phoenix, in the Capitol, and worshiping at the Capitol and praying. I want to take what we do on the inside and release it to the outside, amen. This is such a huge vision of what's in my heart. Um, another way that we do that is through, I want to see what you put up next because my notes might be out of order. Celebrate Freedom. Celebrate Freedom is an incredible ministry that we have here at our church. And this is people who are bound by addictions or strongholds or hurts and habits and hangups. We have seen over 50 in this last year go through the class. 36 have graduated, and seven of them have become leaders. This is incredible. These are people who are bound by things that are controlling them, and God is setting them free. Amen. We believe people can find freedom in Jesus Christ. That they are, do not have to be stuck in their brokenness, their shame, their fear, and the past. Amen? So that's strong. That's going to be a huge part of our ministry and already is. The next one is, I think, rooted discipleship. And that's the seven rhythms of discipleship. When I, we were in COVID, the Lord told me, don't move fast. Just move and do what I tell you to do. And any of you know me, I do everything fast. Literally everything. <clears throat> and uh, the Lord says, you need to stop. You need to do what I called you to do. And discipleship, the Lord said, discipleship. You need to have a program ready because the loss is going to come in and they need to know how to walk with Jesus. They need to learn the intimacy, not just have a good church experience. They need to know how to walk through the pain and the brokenness and all the troubles of life. And so the seven rhythms of discipleship is learning how to have daily devotion with God. How do you pray? We teach them how to do that. 
sacrificial generosity, which is what we're doing in this season. Um, I don't know what celebration is there, but uh, learning to share your story, freedom from strongholds, and serving the community. And this is a 13-week program. We um, trained 32 people how to go through this program. And so when we're ready for the harvest to come, all we have to do is roll out this program now. So the beautiful thing is we've got a discipleship program. They get saved at the altar. They go into rooted discipleship. And the the discipleship rooted program, 80% of the people who go through it stay at your church. Why? Because they find friends and they find community. They sit with the same group every week and they find friends and they're learning how to walk with Jesus. And 90% of them catch the revelation of financially generously supporting the church. And that gives the ability for the church to fulfill the vision that it's called to fulfill. Amen. Once they go through this and they figure out they've actually got some deeper pains, then we send them to celebrate freedom. So we actually have a way for people to find the fullness of Christ, which I think is the heart of God. Amen? All right. The next one up, what do you have up there? Uh, Training and equipping. This is so strong in my heart. I believe we are going to launch mentorship in this hour. We need to have a deeper, like, learning how to do ministry, how to teach the word of God, how to host the services, how to pray for the sick, how to lead your friends to Jesus. We're going to launch these programs. Uh, Altar prayer ministry is so huge in my heart that there are some of you that you have a passion to pray. We want to equip you how to pray. Pastors and elders have filled the, the pocket for a great amount of time, and it's wonderful, but you're called and anointed. Amen. It's not just reserved because they're in this position. Every one of us should step into that. So I have such a passion to train and teach and equip in this next season and release people in what God's called them to do. Amen. Um, I don't know if I have this in my notes, but yes, thank you. Generation Z leadership. This is passionate in my heart and in the heart of God right now. We have got to reach Generation Z. And if we don't, we will miss a supernatural move of God because God's hand is on this generation. And I'm believing God to bring in the leadership that we need to take care of that generation. And I don't mean just put them in a cool room with cool events. I'm talking about learning the fire of God, hitting the streets. I mean, there's a, it's called Gen Z Loves Jesus or something. And these young people are on fire from God. And they're, they're filling stadiums and they're worshiping. And our city has to be a part of this movement. Amen. And on the flip side of that, Generation Z is being destroyed by the enemy. The school systems and media is just playing to their emotions and their, they don't even understand and demonic activity. And if the church doesn't rise up in that place, they're going to be wiped out by the enemy. Amen. This is so huge in my heart. And the Lord told me I'm going to set in faith builders kings and priests. Kings and priests, because that is how it's going to build the kingdom of God. Amen. So people are going to start to come. God's going to start sending the qualified. And we need to open up our arms and say, here we are. Amen. Let's do something for Jesus. Because we are ready for this. How many is ready for this? We are all so ready for that. So this is strong on my heart. Okay, this is another one, probably uh, up there, one or two, that is going to happen next to immediately. We have to launch an online campus and make it a church. So we have online, we have our YouTube channel, and it's, it's good. I watched it last week, Sick From Home, and it definitely needs a little bit of upgrade. 
on the natural, I'm part of it, but it also does need some things. We were blessed with another TV camera. We need new equipment. There's just some things we need to make that online church amazing. Amen. I um, had some statistics that you can see. 53% of Christians are streaming their church online. That's huge. It's heartbreaking. I'll admit that. I want everybody here in the presence of God. But those are people who go to church maybe once a month. That's basically statistics today. People go to church once a month, and the rest of the time they're streaming online. I believe the Holy Spirit has to change that. But 33% of the pe- your people that come discovered your church online. So we have to make sure that our, our station online becomes like a church. We need moderators in there. We need better equipment to make it more effective. We need people who are running it and with microphones and making it so much more intimate than it is right now. So we can actually speak to people in their home. You know, it's one thing if I'm speaking here, but if they've got someone, hey, sitting there in your living room, you know, God loves you so much. And, you know, where there's that intimate contact, God said we have to spend money and time to make our online church and we will launch it like a church right now I don't even market our our online experience and we get maybe I think we have 412 subscribers praise God that's 412 I'll take them but the word that comes out of this place and what God has in our worship we need people to see what's going on in this house especially as the miracles begin to unravel amen you catch that thing on a camera you see a miracle someone walk out of a wheelchair you get that on camera boom God begins to do supernatural things amen so that's just the world that we're living in we've got to get on media so and we want to make sure that people feel an experience when they're there if they have that one opportunity to know Jesus because they stumbled across your station we want to make sure we do, we are on, you guys don't know this, but we are on a television network called Abundant TV. And I found out that we are the number one watched program on the network, which is incredible. And we are the only show, even with what we have, we are the only church that they air the worship and the word because they are dying for churches that move in the Holy Spirit where there's the prophetic and there's the prophesying and there's laying out of hands. And our church is being represented that way. So very, very exciting. Amen? All right. What, what else do we have on that list? Widows and foster cares. So praise God. We've always been good about helping our widows. This, God says to do this. So this is not an option. We are to take care of widows. We do. And this is the one thing I've been talking to our team for probably maybe a year at best. We've got to take care of our orphans, the fatherless. We've got to take care of the babies. And I just didn't know where to go or what to do. I didn't want to just fling stuff out there. I really wanted to connect to what God wanted. Well, a friend of mine called me that I used to work with for many years. He is running a a foster care program or working with a foster care called Hope and a Future. Now, this won't be the only one we'll work with, but this will be the one we will strongly connect with because it is Christ-based care. They are learning about Jesus. They are getting Bibles. They have camps for these children. We need to get Jesus in the heart of these foster care children. Amen. If they can experience Jesus, get rid of that orphan mentality, that that feeling alone or rejection, if God can get in their little hearts, it'll change their life forever. I am passionate about this. So he called me and he said, you know, does your church? I said, yes, you didn't have to finish your statement. Yes, we are going to be a part of that. What it looks like, I don't know. There'll be many ways that we will be a part of it. I'll be bringing that to you in the new year. But we are going to start taking care of our orphans. Amen. How many is excited about that? 
I love these babies. So there's Christmas things they do. There's camps that they do. There's, um, you can support at the end of the year. You get that write-off thing where you, if you write off 500, you get that 500 back. There's many ways that we can partner with this. But I know God's going to bless our church because we're going to take care of the little babies. Amen. All right, what else do I have up there, Titus? Okay, we're going to talk about why faith builders exist. We're rounding the corner, and then I'm going to share a little teaching with you. But faith builders exist, so you know, to love people back to life. Period. End of sentence. And the rest of it goes so they can fulfill God's purpose. But the whole idea is to love people back to life. Faith builders exist to build the kingdom of God through maturity. Or do I have diversity? Okay, through diversity, which we're already doing. I love the culture of our church. I love the diversity of our church. If that ever changes, I would not want to be the pastor here any longer. Because I love, I believe, everybody coming together. We can put all political beliefs outside the door, and we can learn to come together in the unity of the faith. Amen. I think at one point we counted 12 different nationalities in this church. I'm like, praise God. That's what heaven's going to look like. People are, you know, they're like, you should be doing social justice online. I'm like, come to my church on Sunday. You'll see social justice everywhere. We all get along here, all different colors and backgrounds, amen. And this is what the church should look like. So we exist through diversity. Faith builders exist to build the kingdom of God through maturity. I've always said I don't want no dumb sheep. (laughs) (laughs) Walking off the, no, you're going to know the word of God. You're going to mature, have the discernment and the wisdom of God. You guys are amazing. Next one. Faith builders exist to illustrate the kingdom of God through creativity. So this is so exciting to me. We don't do a lot of this yet, but I left it in there because I'm speaking it by faith. I want the performing arts here in spiritual things. Amen. The creativity of God. All right. Next one. Faith builders exist to demonstrate the kingdom through generosity. And I'm telling you, church, you are a generous church. You take care of God's house. We have gone through the storms in this house. We have gone through a church split after 2020, and we are still standing strong. Because you have taken care of your church, you have been faithful, and you have a heart of generosity, and I couldn't ask for anything more. All right. Faith builders exist to illustrate the kingdom of God through unity. And that goes back, we believe in the unity of the faith, amen. We had to fight desperately to keep what the world would try to divide us outside the four doors, you know, and keep the unity of loving one another even though we're different. And we, we need to be different. Your point of view, you know, your experiences, all of that really makes up who Faith Builders is, amen? And so that's very important. With this unity, um, many of you know, but I, uh, eight or nine months ago, the Lord put in my heart to start gathering leading ladies in the valley. And I took a step of faith not knowing if anybody was going to come. I'm like, Lord, I don't want rejection. And, but it was in my heart. I want a community. I'm like, Lord, I need a faith community of girls, you know, to gather together and encourage one another. And we did. We kicked it off. And we have over 45 churches that have come through our groups, haven't we, Sally? 45 churches, and we come together. They don't all come at once. We had one big event where they did, but we come in my office. We have a a board that we pray over over the city. All of our churches are in it, and we pray for each other. We pray for our city, and there is a unity happening in the body of Jesus Christ. So not just in faith builders, but I'm talking about I love the unity of the church. I'm going to fight for the churches to come together, link our arms together, amen? 
I feel like in the times where, where um, uh, media tried to separate the churches and, and their demographics, pastors should have linked their arms together of all diversities and says, we're going to stand strong for our city together. We have to fight for that unity, amen, because the Spirit of God will show up in unity. And he already is doing something very special there. All right, next one. Faith builders exist to promote the kingdom of God through technology. That's the online. We have to have technology. The old school, you know, barb would be like, oh, let them just come to the house of the Lord. And, but no, technology exists today. We have to be out. Where, and where are they at? They're on their phone. They're right here. They're right here, people. And if we're not here with technology, looking like they want to see, looking like what they need to hear, we have to be here or we are missing a whole demographic of people. Amen? All right, next. That's it. That's all I have there? Okay. Praise God. So what I want to do, so that's just kind of basic of where, where we're at right now and why we're doing our legacy offering because we need to hire people. We need to um, buy some things. We need to launch some programs. There's so much that we need to do to push this church where it needs to go. Amen. And I believe that God's going to speak to all of us in a significant way. And many have already put in your pledges, and we'll talk about that more at the end and but I want to share with you what's in my heart today. And I want you to go to 1 Kings chapter 17. And with this loving to light that we're going to be doing, and you all have cards in front of you or on your seat or whatever, I want all of us to pray about being involved in some way. So as I teach, and you've heard the last two weeks, if you didn't, go back and listen, because faith builders in this moment is entering into a supernatural movement. This isn't just another year where we close out our year. In five years, I have never done a giving series, ever. Actually, I don't think I've ever done a giving series in my life. But the Lord has instructed us clearly that there is something in this moment of giving by faith. And whatever the Lord speaks to you, listen, I am not trying to get something from you. I want you to hear that from me. I want to speak today to the things that God is telling you to give. So when the Lord gives you something in your heart, and whatever it is, whatever, it doesn't matter if it's $5. If God is telling you to give $5, you give $5. So, so hear the voice of the Spirit. God always takes care of his church. But there's something supernaturally he wants us to give sacrificially in this moment that I'm telling you is going to shake and rattle your world. In giving in a way that maybe you've never given before. I have given my whole life, and I have given sacrificially. I've given it all away. But in this season as your pastor, I led very sacrificially in this thing, and I've already planted my seed. And I will tell you next week as we give our cards and we receive our offering, I'm in this thing too. I'm giving in a way that says, God, I want this city to be changed for Jesus Christ. I want to do my portion and my part, so I am leading with this. So I don't want you just to tune your ears out, well, it's not for me, and I don't really have much. No, God isn't asking any of that. And I'm going to prove that to you in the Bible, that God can take your something that you feel is insignificant and make it blessed for your life. Amen? So let's look at this. Eli uh, 1 Kings chapter 17 verse 8. Now, Elijah had just come from experiencing the supernatural um, move of God. He had been living by the brook. God had been taking care of him. Ravens were feeding him. And then the Bible says that the brook dried up. Say, the brook dried up. Brook dried up. How many of you know when God wants to get you somewhere else, he'll dry up where you're at? 
And we're like, why am I in this season, God? I don't understand it. Because God says, I'm trying to get you somewhere else. I have to take away what's comfortable to you so that you will lean on and trust me to hear you, me take you where you need to go. Amen. I've been by the dry brooks many times. Wondering, God, what are you doing? But God will dry up that season so that you can hear for the next supernatural season. So Elijah already, under, already understands the supernatural of God. So let's look in verse 8. What happens? The brook was dried. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, arise, go to Zarephath. Zarephath means this. It means refinery. Refining. God is taking us into a season where it used to be old and he's refining those things on the inside of us. Refining takes out all the impurities. It takes out all the frustration and disappointments of the last season. When you take gold, or when they would take silver, and they probably still do today, and the, they would heat it up, what would happen? The inf impurities would rise to the top, and they would take a, a gavel or whatever it's called, lavel, and, and take off the impurities. They would heat it up, the refining, making it pure, making it fit for use. And I believe we are in that season where God is refining us. He's taking out all those disappointments of the past so we can experience the supernatural of the new season. So, which belong to Sidon and dwell there. See, I love this. I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Number one, my point today is God will make his word come to pass. God will make his word come to pass when he gives you a word from him. And he said, I, will have, I commanded a widow to provide for you. So Elijah's probably thinking in his mind, this is awesome. I have a lady, a, a widow, that God says is going to sustain me. God already told her the word. She's going to sustain. That word provide means to sustain or nourish or support or um, necessary for living. So he gets up from this place and goes to another place that he feels God has told this widow to take care of him. In this moment, you don't really see where um, he needs faith from God. You know, he got his word from God. Somebody's going to be there, and she's going to provide the need for you. But let's look at verse 10. It says this. So, so he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he had come to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. Now, he knew she was a widow because in the Bible days, widows would dress in certain garments or apparel. They were identified as the widows. How many know God loves the widows? He is a father to them. He loves them. He takes care of them. So they, God doesn't want the widows to be messed around with. So he said there's a widow there, and he recognized her because of her. And widow, she was very, very poor. She had no money, and we know that according to history. So she was there gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. Now, as I was reading that, I was like, okay, that's not too much to ask from the widow, right? Like, that's not too much. A little bit of water. I think they ask widows for those kinds of things. So she must have thought, well, I'll, I can help this prophet out. But then he goes a little further with her, and he says this in verse 11. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And I stopped and thought about that for a minute, and I thought about what that widow was thinking. Like, here she is in her last moment that she's there gathering her sticks to make her final meal for her and her son. Literally, the Bible says that. She's there, and, and then this man comes along and says, you want something from me? I imagine she thought, you don't even know what I'm going through. He didn't know her state of mind. 
He didn't know that she was ready to bury her son and eat their last meal. He didn't know her desperation. He just asked something of her that God simply said, I've already told her. But what we find out in Scripture is that God hadn't really told her yet. She came to a place where she had to trust God, and if I give this to this man, what is God going to do in my life? And so I can't imagine what this woman would have went through thinking, you're asking something of me that I barely, I can't even take care of myself. And it goes on to say in verse 11, and as she was going to get it, excuse me, verse 12, so she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread only, excuse me, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat and we may die. And I realized in that moment that how, how Elijah must have felt like, God, you told me you were going to tell this woman to take care of me. And I imagine if I was Elijah and, and I, being a pastor, if I had a widow come to me and say, I'm going to give you my last $10 in my bank account, I would say, no way. Don't give me your $10. Literally, that's, that's the compassion that we have. And I imagine how Elijah must have felt like, God, you told me you told, we're going to tell her, I don't want her last bread. I don't want her to give that to me. But see, what God was trying to get to the widow is I want to do something supernatural in your life. If you'll give me what you think is important to you, I will sustain you for much longer in the time of drought. And that's very challenging, one, for a leader to try to challenge people with, but also now for the widow to say, well, what am I going to do in this moment? And I believe that whatever she had decided, she could have done her portion and, and went on to be with Jesus. But she decided to dig just a little bit deeper and trust God at his word. Amen. And this is where Elijah had to trust God. God, I'm asking of this. I'm going to trust that you said she was going to sustain me and sustain her. And you're asking me to give, take something that's nothing from her. How are you going to do this? See, I'm sharing this because whatever amount the Lord says, it may be little. It, some of you may be in a position to give more. Whatever it is, it's going to be faith. And God isn't asking for your money because he wants our money. He wants to show you his sustaining supernatural power. Because the churches that are giving to the kingdom right now, whenever the world dries up, it won't matter. The church will prosper. Trust me. The church will rise in an hour and everybody will look to the church because we are called to take care of the world, not the government, not policies. The church of Jesus Christ is called to take care of the world. And I'm talking about good churches that just want to reach people for Jesus, which I think churches have been shook in this season. I think priorities are a little bit better in this hour. I believe that, amen? So where are we at? So here they are going, what's, what's going to happen? Goes on to say, number two, our second point this morning is, um, is uh, God wants you to pra practice faith over fear. So in verse tw 13, it says this to her. After she's wondering, I don't even have enough, verse 13. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said. Now, if I was her, I'd be like, oh, I get to make my, I'm going to make my bread for me and my son. Go do, as, go do as you said. Like, I almost felt like maybe she had a little bit of grief, like, okay. But, but, he said, make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterwards, make some for yourself and for your son. So it was in this moment where faith is being activated. 
They were both going to trust God that what God was saying to give, he would fulfill his promise of sustaining. That's a scary place to be, isn't it? I'm going to give by faith what the Lord is asking me to give, and I'm going to trust God to sustain me. I shared last night with the women that the lady with the issue of blood, we know the end of the story, so we don't think about the journey, how she got to Jesus. So it's the journey of I'm going to trust God in whatever portion he's asking me to give. I don't know the end of the story, but I know you are a God who supplies all my needs according to your riches and glory. I'm in a season where I don't want one plus one anymore. We need God to do some multiplications in our life. I want you to experience, God, how we went from church to church. I have seen people, Pastor Paul lived in a hotel when he was growing up, right? Motel? I think it was a motel even. And now giving and giving sacrificially, you can see the fruit on their life. I'm not talking about something small. I'm talking about some breakthrough miracles that God wants to give you in your life. And I'm believing God for some big things. And that's why I gave sacrificially because I want so much for this church and for my personal life also. Amen. So he said, go make me a cake first. Don't feed your son. You know how hard that is to ask? Don't feed yourself. Make it for me the first, the tithe, the giving, the first fruits. Give it to God first. He said, then make it for your son. That's a very scary place to be. He knew when he said that, that the current reality did not measure God's promise. Amen? He knew that. So let's look at what happened. Verse 14, for thus says the Lord God of Israel, here's the promise, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil one dry until the day the Lord reigns on the earth. He's saying, listen, this sacrifice isn't forever, but if you will give it to me first, there will always be flour in that bin, and there will always be oil in that bottle if you will give it to me first. And I can't imagine how she felt like after that first day of miracle where she made that bread and it was empty, and she gave it, but then she went back and there was a supernatural blessing there. How did that happen? I don't know. But the God of heaven fulfilled his promise. The God of heaven is my sustainer. I don't know how that happened. And she made that bread again, thanking Jesus probably. She probably couldn't wait to get up the next day and go, I wonder if there's flour in the bin. Boom, there's flour again. Thank you, Jesus. And for three years, God sustained that widow of never running out. It's supernatural. What God wants to do in this hour, it's not about money. It's about God showing his sustaining supernatural power that he is our provider. That is such a cool thing to experience in our life. And as pastors, it's that we hate talking about money, but we shouldn't. Because in reality, there is so much power supernaturally when we take care of God's house. That you cannot stop the blessings of God in your life when you take care of his house. Amen? So powerful for three years. And guess what? God sustained her until the rains came again. And there was no need for that supernatural. The rains came and the blessings came again. So here's the promise, verse 14. It'll never run out. Verse 15, it took her faith to get there. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she, she and he and her household ate for many days, which was three years. There's her face. She had to go make the cake. Verse 16, here's the miracle. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry 
according to the word of the Lord, which was spoken by Elijah. God is a sustainer, amen. He is the provider of all of our needs. If we can lean on our own understanding, it is not God. It's not God. But if we can say, I'm going to step out by faith, God. What I want you to do, church, is just ask God. And I want everyone to participate. I'm not going to look at the names and go, well, they could have. No. This is between you and Jesus. I have my card already. I want you to take this home. Pray about it. And what I want you to do is hear God how much. I don't care how much it is. Just ask God, what's my part? Number two, why am I giving it? What is this for, God? Attach your faith to something. Whatever it is, a supernatural breakthrough, let it, your faith attach to this seed. And I want you to remember who. It's about Jesus. Amen. This is where, what, who, and what. Whatever I said. Where, what, who. No. Why? No, how? I don't know. Somebody help me out. How, why, who. Okay? And I'm telling you, the second I planted mine in the ground, I will share testimonies in a couple of weeks. Doors begin to open supernaturally for me and for this house. The second there are testimonies coming with people saying, I, I haven't even turned it in yet, and this happened in my life. There's something special happening in this moment, amen? And I just desperately want you to be a part of that. Pray together with your spouse. And then next Sunday, we're going to come together and we're going to receive the offering. And there's, there's different ways you can give. Let me go over this housekeeping really quick. And then we're going to have some music and we're going to have you write in the bulbs. But there's different ways you can give. For me, I gave the one time because I, I did. This is how I could do it. You can do that. You can give a one time. This is what I can give to God and put it in there and that's that. The second one is you just want to commit to your regular giving. Say, I'm a tither. I feel like I can give 2% more, $20 or more. I don't care what it is. That's just between you and God. And then you just, I, I'm not even going to follow up on it. This is just, again, your step of faith. You can do that. If you're not caught the revelation of giving yet, you know you're not a tither yet, that's okay. It takes time to get there, that revelation. You may say, God, I'm going to give 1% of my, my tithe to you. Start with 1%. 2%. Just talk to God because be a part of this, amen. And then another part you can play, you can randomly give to it. Or you could say, I have this amount God gave and we just need the year to make that happen. Then just do that, amen. There's no pressure. It's just all about what God wants in this moment, amen. And we're going to do that next week. But I'm going to invite the praise team up and we are going to, let me think how I want to do this. While that music's playing, let me do this to get it out of the way. Let's receive this morning's tithes and offerings because I want to close just praying. Let's get this out of the way. And then we're going to do our, our uh, bulbs and pray together, and then I'm going to release y'all. Does that sound good? So let's just prepare to give our tithes and offerings tonight. I don't need to receive an offering or money because, or teach on it because I've been teaching on it the whole time. Just stay with your faithfulness. Amen can give online, you can use your envelope, whatever you feel led to do. Father, we thank you for this moment that we have to give to your kingdom. And Lord, right now, I just speak grace, grace over this message. Lord, I bind any voices of the enemy, Father God, and I just speak peace, peace. No one will feel pressured or overwhelmed, Father God, that that is never your heart, Lord. We just want to attach to your will. We want to attach to your word, Father God. 
And Lord, we just take time to receive this offering and blessings to you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Yes. You can do all three. You can do one. You can do two. It's not either or. Amen. So what we're going to do is on both sides of the platform here are bulbs. Um, there's markers throughout the table. We're going to worship together. You can just make your way. If you see it congested, you can just hang back. Make your way. Fill out your bulbs. And I guess what we can do, do we have another basket, Pastor Jenny, maybe? We're going to put an empty basket over here, and you can just start putting your bulbs over there. Amen? And then we're going to pray together, and I'll release you, and we'll do our declaration. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today. We thank you that your precious spirit is here, Lord God. And Lord, as we come to put our family members and our friends and coworkers on these bulbs, God, we're not doing it just for show. We want to connect our faith to this moment. And God, we believe that every name we write down, Holy Spirit, you are going to go after them. You're going to surround them. You're going to put people around them, God. You're going to do only what your Holy Spirit can do as we release these names to come to light in the name of Jesus. I thank you, God, as they come, Lord, that they will we'll connect our faith to this moment to see the supernatural open up over our lives, over this city, Father God, and over your church. Lord, we love you so much, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name. Listen, don't be in a hurry. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Take some time. Maybe you want to pray over your bulb after you write on it. We'll stick it in a basket over here, and then I'll come right back up after we sing this song. Thank you.